All right, are you ready? If I wasn't ready, I would I would have indicated that I wasn't ready. It's, is that is that a yes? Are you are you ready? I have notes prepared for a podcast of which are to be read vis-a-vis any potential recording situation that could arise and if it arises then it could be recorded. Okay, but that's like we have notes. Their first show are you ready to record? Can you just say yes? Are you ready to record the show? Yes. My lack of response vis-a-vis preparedness for recording is not reflected in the notes. Uh, can you just just say yes? Just say yes. Maureen, just say yes. Come on, you can do it. It'll feel good. Are you ready? Please see my notes. Yeah, you guys have to listen to some music by Ted Leo. Terrible burden. Welcome to Says Who, the podcast that isn't a podcast. It's a coping strategy. I'm Dan Sinker, according to these notes. And I am Maureen Johnson. Uh, Welcome to Says Who. And um, I just want to point out I have a special guest up here with me today, which is my friend, A Bag of Ice. Yes. I just did a panel. Yeah, now there's a lot of water, too. This is perfect. Oh, God. We're all going to die. This is all going very well. Yeah, it's great. I was at a panel. Yep. I just did the panel. Mm -hmm. And I came back. Yep. And you have a giant welt on the left side of your head and ice. What happened? Well, Dan, thank you for asking. So Dan was in a panel, and I was doing something, and I said, I'm going to go check out that panel Dan's in. I wonder what room it's in. So I walked up to one of the doors, and I leaned in with my eye to look between the crack in the door, and then someone just (laughs) opened the door. (laughs) And I saw stars for a minute, and I was just so surprised. I was like, oh. And then he was like, I'm so sorry. I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. But, you know, it was like already it was like... And I was like, I, I'm like, please just don't start bleeding all over the place. And I don't think I am. But then I kind of just staggered into the bathroom and everyone's like, hey, where are you lost? I was like, <laughs> <laughs> so then I got some ice. I was wandering around the back. I have this ice. So it's fine. So we're set. It was a really solid contact. You know, when you were like, oh, that's a good one. That was, that was solid. It was just a good thunk. At least you didn't go down. No, it's very hard to take me out. You're, I'm very resilient. You're solid. I really That's the am. thing about you. I'm you're like a block of wood. It's like when I, I cut my finger open making um, Dole Whips by, uh, I dropped it down on a, a, I opened up a can, and so there was a high, jagged piece of metal sticking up like that, and I was listening to Trump on my headphones, and I was so mad that I went, oh, 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 and I just looked, and it had gone like all the way through, and I just went, oh, oh. And then I ended up getting stitches. That was an episode that we were uh, both watching the State of the Union, and we were going to record the next day. Yep. And you were like, I didn't watch the state. I was in the ER. Yeah. I was getting stitches. It's like, you you had the better night than me. Um, Should we talk a little bit about who we are? are? Yeah. Let's do that, because it says it on the notes. Yeah, that you wrote. I did. Um... I'm Dan Sinker. I'm a journalist. I make things on the internet. And I'm Maureen Johnson. I'm not a journalist. I don't make things on the internet. 
I well, that's not true. I do. You do. I make lots of I make a lot of stuff on, on the, the internet. internet. I'm an author. And I met Dan because Dan is the alter ego of something called Mayor Emanuel, who was a it was a internet account of a Twitter account. Uh, it's called an internet account, not, Dan. That's not what they're called. They're called internet no, accounts. They're not. And he made a fake Rahm Emanuel that was running for mayor at the same time as the real this Mayor was Emanuel. Back in 2010. Yep. That was a long time ago. It was. And then it was an incredibly, it was the sort of otherworldly, incredibly profane adventures of fake Mayor Emanuel who went around alternate Chicago in a, in a Acura? Honda Civic. And a Honda Civic? Yeah. With Quaxelrod the duck. Axelrod's Honda Civic. Yeah. And he had a duck. Yeah. And he duck had a dog. And a dog and best friends. Yep. And Chad, the intern. And you loved it. I loved it so much. And nobody knew who he was. That's the thing is that the identity of yeah. Mayor Emanuel was unknown. And, and then uh, and then I noticed you were tweeting at the account a lot. And I was like, who is this person? It's like, oh, she's a YA author. And God damn it. This is 2010. And she has like close to 100,000 Twitter followers. That's bananas. Like, what's her deal? And um, so I sort of like reverse cyber stalked her as she was cyber stalking. Isn't this romantic? Um, it's not romantic because we're friends. Um, but we became friends afterwards. And for quite a while, uh, I said, hey, you know what? We should do a podcast because they seem fun. And we're fun. Aren't we fun? We're a lot of fun. We're a lot of fun. We're very fun. Um, and uh, and we, we never did. And then the 2016 election came around. And I... Do you guys remember that? Do you remember that one? Do you remember that happening? Was a lot it, of people, it missed, it, they didn't see it. It was a, it was yeah. a big thing. Yeah, no, it, it totally it, it happened. It happened yeah. 300 years ago, mm. so it's hard to remember. But um, the 2016 election came around, and uh, me being a journalist, I knew a lot of journalists, and I also knew a lot of folks that were involved in politics. Some of my best friends in the world were the digital team of the Obama 2012 campaign. And so you started sending me DMs a few months out just being like, I feel like I'm going crazy. Am I going crazy? Like, what's the deal? Like, talk me down. And finally, I was like, you know what? Let's do this as a podcast. Um, let's do it. We're both super busy. I, I know that was part of the pitch. We're both super busy, so we're only going to do eight episodes. We'll do the final eight weeks of the 2016 campaign. We'll end it with a celebratory live show. My wife will make pies. Uh, my my 12-year-old at the time, son, will be our election map person. It'll be like a big party. It'll be a big party. So we had guests for eight weeks. We had, Dan got these amazing guests. We had Chris Hayes, and we had Brian uh, Stetler, and we had, it was, Anna Marie yeah. Cox was our first yeah. guest. Like, we had a journalist every week, and we'd be like, what is going on? Please help us Just help understand. Help us understand. And we're like, and then it'll be over. And so we had a live thing that night. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't. I remember at, at about 10 something Eastern looking through the little Skype window at you and you were, you were fetal on your couch and you just looked at me. We had put some like hold music on for the people watching and you just went, I, I can't, I can't. And I was like, all right, we'll shut it down. And so I came back and kind of, and uh, ended it. And then, and then we were like, are we, are we done? Are we done with this podcast? And a couple days later, you called me up and we're like, let's just turn on the mics and talk. Let's not worry about guests. Let's turn on the mics and just kind of process what what happened. Yeah. Like, it was like we had seen a terrible car accident. 
yeah. in many ways we saw something much worse and uh, we just processed it and then we decided that we're doing this until it's over until he's gone yeah so we are we're Which like also seemed like a short-term proposition yeah. at the time we kind of gilligan's <laughs> islanded ourselves a little bit where we're like we have to do like we've entered a weird pact with the universe that we have to do this and so every week we just process what happened through an ever-changing kaleidoscope filter of, um, for example, when this is over, we're both going to Disney World. Yeah. We started planning our first, our first post-Trump trip to Disney World two years ago this month, if I'm not mistaken, because we were like, this is done. Yeah. They just hired, they just brought on a special counsel. Yeah. This will be done by the end of the summer. Let's start picking out our ears. Yep. Yeah. Nope. No. So no. we're still here, and so every week we just kind of sit, and we're like, you're for, for a lot of listeners, I, we, there may not be someone in their lives. They may be surrounded in, in places where they don't have to feel like they have a lot of support or that they don't have people around that seem to be going through the same things they are in regards to this. So we just kind of process what the fuck just happened. We are also, as this especially goes for Dan, extremely profane. I'm Dan. That was for me. Dan is inappropriate. He's not what? a good person. Uh, his no. language is next level terrible, and um, I think people well, should know about it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Couldn't have told me this before we mm. started recording in front of humans. Well, they had to find out somehow. Well. Yes. So let's talk about what's happened this week in What is Happening. So. Yeah. So this week, uh, the two years almost to the day... Robert Mueller actually spoke. Yeah, he came out. And I don't know if any of you got the chance to see it. I was packing up to go here, and I just dropped my new puppy off downstairs where she plays with the neighbors. I have a new puppy who is just a ball of teeth. Essentially, the last month of Says Who has been Maureen being attacked by her puppy. Mm -hmm. And I record, actually, inside of her playpen. Because that's the only way to get the puppy calm enough to record. She's a busy girl. Um, and the puppy playpens are very useful. They're sort of like giant laundry baskets. And you can get in them if you want. Um, no one, they don't stop you. And I dragged in my, my computer and my headphones and everything. And Dan's like, where are you? I'm like, I'm in the puppy playpen. And she's hanging off my arm. She's, she's such a good girl. She's so good. Her name is Dexy, but her... She's just, they have so many teeth, don't they? They've got a lot of teeth and they're real sharp and they don't know what to do with them except put them in everything they see. She broke a tooth and everyone's like, how'd she break her tooth? I'm like, she was chewing a marble table earlier today. This is what it's like. Um, Muller spoke. So Muller spoke. So <laughs> he didn't give us a lot of warning. Can you imagine? It was like we had waited all this time. Two years of this mysterious figure who never fucking came out. Again, he swears a lot. And suddenly, the phone starts blowing up going, bloop, 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 bloop. That's my, in, that's my imitation of a phone blowing up. And just alerts saying, he's going to speak. He's going to speak in 20 minutes. He's just going to do it. And it seemed a little surreal. So I turned on the TV, and they had the podium. They were like, we're all waiting for the... This the was one of the few breaking news things that you consumed that I did not. Yeah. I was actually also on a puppy-related errand. I was taking my dog to boarding uh, to come here. And uh, the entire duration of the drive out and back was... Muller's going to speak. Muller's speaking. Muller's done speaking. It was quick. It was <laughs> nine minutes. Car. 
It was nine minutes and he came out and he, uh, first of all, his voice, I don't know if any of you heard it. It was kind of papery and lovely. It was, hello, I'm Robert Mueller. It wasn't quite like that, but it, <laughs> he did sound like a delicate, beautiful butterfly a little bit. Wow. It, I was kind of expecting this. That's exactly what I expected. But it was a little bit more like this. Oh, really? Oh. I don't think that's... He was like a, he was like a ghost? Ooh. <laughs> he was a little bit like a ghost. And he came out and he basically said, the fuck. The fuck, I wrote this thing for you. It's the fuck. What are you not doing? I did it. I did the thing. I gave you the thing. He emphasized that uh, that we had been attacked, and he said, um, you know, if he he addressed the fact that his report. Did you read it? Did you read? It's a fun read. It's really enjoyable. Raise your hand if you read the report. Okay. All right. That's one more than I think every member of Congress. Except for that one guy, Justin Amash, who's like, is anyone listening to me? God damn it. He's like holding it up. That, 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 bless that guy. Bless because that he poor basically, bastard. Like, he stood up and gave an executive summary of a report that he published, like an incredibly highly anticipated report mm-hmm. that he published a month and a half ago, literally said almost word for word things within it. And people were like, can you believe what he said? <gasps> Except it was, first of all, he, he addressed the nation like he was, a, he was a professor who wasn't mad, but he was disappointed. You know, he was like... <laughs> All right, you dumb motherfuckers. I will come and explain it all to you because you clearly didn't do the homework. And he addressed the fact that the report is in two sections. The first section is about potential collusion and the second part of the report is about obstruction of justice. And he said for the first part, there was not enough evidence to put together a case. And for the second part, he comes out and he says, if I could have exonerated the president, I would have done so. And then he kind of barrels the camera. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then he goes eyes on, waggling. Yeah, a little. And then he goes on at length about. He said, "You know, I'm not the special prosecutor's office. Uh, the special counsel's office is not. We can't, according to this statute, we cannot prosecute a sitting president. Only Congress can do that." And then he barrels the camera again. So he lays out what needs to be done, and he just and he's and he was. He was clearly over it. He's like, well, you can, you can subpoena me if you want, but if you do, I'm just going to read my report, which I thought was very relatable. <laughs> As Be- an author? Yeah, because if you spend two years writing something, I don't want to have to read it out or answer any questions about it. I'm like, I wrote it. Just read it. It's right here. Do you know how fucking much time it took me to do this? Read it. But uh, he came out and directly contradicted everything Bill Barb said about like, oh, you know, it has nothing to do with the fact that you can't prosecute. And he was like, it has everything to do with about the fact that I can't prosecute the president. And so here we are now. Now, Dan, now. Now, now we're in the now. We are in the now. And how do you feel about the now? We are barreling now towards the thing, aren't we? So initially when it came out and it was like, he's, wait, he's saying all the things we already know. Why are we treating this like this is something that is suddenly news when, like, we are uh, two idiots and we read the fucking report. Like, nobody, like, it literally was like, nobody read the report, but suddenly we are now in, we are now in, like, this is, maybe this is it. Maybe we are staring down the barrel of impeachment. There are a lot of bad things happening to our friend Donald. 
um, Deutsche Bank's records have been uh, subpoenaed and the tax returns are going to be gotten. And uh, so he's, he's in for a bit of a rough time. And so in his typical fashion, he went and he decided to address us, which he only does in front of really loud objects. And it reminded me of the first time I tried to make a video and I tried to do an interview and I did it in front of a fountain. And then I, I was surprised that no one could understand it. He only gives interviews in front of helicopters now. I mean, this is a, this is a trick that Reagan used to do. Well, well, Reagan's people would do. As Reagan began to kind of decline mentally, most of his pressers were done in front of Marine One helicopters so that he, if he couldn't, you know, if things weren't working right, he could just always go, what? Like, I can't, I can't, the, like as if like suddenly, miraculously, this helicopter just appeared behind him and not that that was the setup. But it does seem that they, they are doing that same sort of press availability. They have a whole press room that they don't use anymore. Well, I would like to see him doing pressers in front of more enjoyable things like at the bar at TGI Fridays during like a margarita special, just like every time you ask him a question, everybody just hits the blender or in front of a Ferris wheel or like a drum machine or like a Wurlitzer organ, just increasingly <laughs> weird, loud juicers. They just um, need to dress up one of the like press interns in one of those one man band outfits, yeah. right? With the big bass drum on the back and the like the cymbals on the knees, just walk behind him as he talks. He did tweet that he he's uh, that Russia, Russia, Russia. You know, it's not my fault that Russia helped me get elected. To yeah, which I had was nothing like, to do with Russia helping me get elected. This really happens to us, which is why two and a half years in, we're still making this dumb fucking thing that, that will <laughs> never end because it now does nothing makes sense and nothing feels real and it makes me angry all the time. But fear not, Dan. Oh, he's on a trip. He came, just came back from a trip. He's about to go on another trip. He's going to oh, go to England. Right. Oh, my God. That's going to be insane. So for the article oh. of the week, this is a real delight. I don't know if, if you've had the chance to read it, but if you haven't, I'm going to read you a little bit from a absolutely top-notch, beautiful article from CNN Politics this week called Inside Trump's Air Force One, It's Like Being Held Captive. So Trump's visit to Tokyo this weekend kicks off a summer of global jet-setting that takes him to five separate countries and confines him to the presidential aircraft for more than 80 hours of flying overseas. Quote, one official said of traveling with the president on Air Force One, it's like being held captive. Current and former officials have described White House trips as grueling endeavors accompanied by long hours, but several privately said the flights overseas are easily the worst. The duration can last nearly 20 hours. Seating space is limited. The televisions are streaming Fox News constantly. And if the headlines flashing across the bottom of the screen are unfavorable to their boss, aides know it's time to buckle up for a turbulent ride. Uh, they don't have enough seats that come out and that make, um, make beds. So they, uh, they bring yoga mats and they sleep under conference tables. Uh, however, during international flights, Trump typically remains in the front cabin. He does four things. He watches television, eats or reads newspapers, talks with staff and calls friends and allies back home as he skip zips across the skies. Uh, he will TiVo cable news coverage 
or he's sift, like the last user of TiVo or, on Earth. Or sift through cardboard boxes of newspapers and magazines that have been lugged aboard. He'll summon sleeping staffers to his office at moments of rest of the plane when the rest of the plane is dark, impatient to discuss his upcoming meetings or devise a response to something he saw in the media. Uh, and their best quote is, quote, he will not go to sleep. Once, when a staffer went to catch a few hours of shut-eye before landing, the president sent another aide to come and wake them so he could discuss a matter that was on his mind. He will not go to sleep. He has taken a sleeping pill occasionally, his doctor said last year, but he never sleeps much, four to five hours per night at the White House, and sleeps even less on the plane. So, Maureen, I am a parent. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Four to five hours of sleep a night is what I get on a bad day yeah. with a baby. Yeah. I am not, I should not drive a car on that amount of sleep, mm-hmm. let alone run a country. Right. And this is his just SOP. Yeah. And on a plane, he gets significantly less. And planes are bad enough. I don't know if you've noticed this. Do you ever get on planes, you guys, and you get that immediate feeling of ennui? Like you just get in and suddenly you're like in a French film where you're like, oh, I am so sad. I cannot watch the cartoon dog. <laughs> I will start crying. I think of France. And you look out the window. Or you get really tired. They just do so. I think they pump something into the air. It makes you feel well. So imagine you're on this flight with a certified lunatic. You're on a metal tube in the sky with this non-sleeping and he's just walking around. He's got Fox nowhere News on a loop. Hide. There's nowhere to hide. You're, 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 there are people hiding under tables. You know what? Good. I hope they burn. I hope that they run around that airplane like they're like in a goddamn axe murderer film. <laughs> trying to... They're throwing each other under the bus. No, you go talk to him. Good. I hope he eats them. I hope he eats them all and throws their bones out the... Out the just shoot it out the Which- airlock. Which staff member do you think has, at this point, purchased their own parachute? I genuinely believe that there are staff members that have go bags. And I've believed this for a long time. I'm not saying that they have a collection of foreign passports and currencies in different denominations from different countries. But I think that there are people in that building with exit plans. And I think that, um, I think there are some that... Probably Kellyanne Conway because she has killed before. She definitely. She has like, she has 14 different passports, a bag full of money, like all hidden inside like an Abraham Lincoln bust. She's ready to go at any time. Dan, have I ever talked about the end of the show Little House on the Prairie? You have not. Okay. So you remember the show Little House on the Prairie? It was a very heartwarming show about the American frontier, Laura Ingalls Wilder and the Wilder family and they all did do 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 I don't know, whatever, it had a theme song and they all wore bonnets and one of Nellie, she had a bathing suit that my dad bought for $5. Anyway, it was like <laughs> from the 1800s and it was really cute and they all lived in this town and it was adorable. But when the show ended, this like 10 years of heartwarming family frontier drama, they lived in the town. I forget the town's name. Doesn't matter. So in the end, the railroad wanted to buy their town. <laughs> And they're like, we're not going to sell our town to the railroad. And so for the last episode of the show, they blew the fucking town up. (laughs) They went around and they put dynamite in all the houses. And then they all, all the people in the town gathered around crying. And then they pushed the plunger 
And then the show ends with a 10-minute sequence of all the houses (laughs) you've grown to know and love blowing up in slow motion. One, there's the Wilder House. There's the general store. There's the saloon. There's the church. Holy fuck. Can you imagine like at the end of, I don't know, Friends, they just blew up the fucking apartments? Well, show's over. That would be so much better. I know. Every show should have to end that that way. Every show should end when they blow up every set you've, you know. So anyway. That's that's how this show's going to end. I'm going to blow up our houses. (laughs) I'm in. I'll do that by accident before we ever get there. But um, that's how I imagine Kellyanne comes. There's going to be one episode that you're like, Dan, it smells a little weird in here. Yeah. 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 So that's how I feel like Kellyanne Conway is going to blow out. I think she's got that motherfucking office rigged. And I think she's going to be like, oh, I'm leaving. And then she just hits it. She's just walking. It's the, you know, the classic like lighter over the shoulder moment. She's not going to care. She's just going to blow the place up. She's going to leave. I mean, she, you know, and uh, you know what? And her gross and that husband of hers who's always tweeting stuff that uh. they have that we're watching their weird games. That she's going to meet him and they're going to see each other on a beach and they'll be like, honey, it's over. <sighs> what do we do next? That's how this ends. Anyway, I think she's got to go back. And yeah. I do think there's probably cash in it and passports and acid to burn off her fingerprints. She's ready. She's she is ready, ready to go. But in this occasion, they land in Japan. Yes. And uh, a preoccupation of says who is the food that Donald Trump eats. We have a or, chart. More importantly, the food he, he won't he eat. won't eat. We've kept a chart for two years, two and a half years, of what food stuff is going. And we've actually had uh, the New Yorker food critic Fallon Rosner on, uh, and other food critics to discuss yeah. the menus and what he's eating. And we have a uh, we've actually we have a feel like an operating theory of how this all works. And all of this is based on ketchup. And if you hear us out, we're going to talk you through what's going on right now in Japan. And. The- one of the more remarkable things is is watching various world leaders and state leaders figure out how to kind of how to manipulate him. Mm-hmm. And one of that one of those ways is so he will not eat anything that is a challenge to him. Right. And by like anything that is a challenge to him, we mean like chocolate ice cream instead of vanilla. Yeah. Right. Or uh, an egg. So in, in Japan, he's not going to eat the, you know, Japan, some of the greatest cuisine in the world. He's not going to eat sushi. He's not going to eat sashimi. He's not going to eat these beautiful creations. No, you know, what he's, what's he eating, Dan, in Japan? Well, this was the menu that they served to him after the, the I, need to, I need just a moment. They went to see sumo wrestling. <laughs> now, I am a professional wrestling fan, as is Donald Trump, and I don't like that fact. Um... Sumo wrestling is not professional wrestling. It is a very like, you know, this is like the 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 leaders of the country go and they sit on cross-legged on the floor in front of the ring where these massive oak trees of men throw themselves at each other. Um, they had to install chairs for Donald Trump and Millennia because they were not going to sit on the floor. Mm. Um, after the sumo match, Donald Trump presents the winner with the President's Cup. Did you all know we have a President's Cup that you can deliver to sports winners when you, as President, go? We don't. We don't. And We do not have a President's Cup. 
He made a 60 pound silver fucking cup with an eagle splayed in full flight on the top. Mm-hmm. To hand to this guy. You can't see the photo, but if you've ever seen 30 Rock, there's a scene in which Dennis Duffy, Liz's old boyfriend, becomes the subway hero. And then he bursts into the writer's room at 30 Rock and he's carrying the Stanley Cup. And everyone's like, hey, Dennis, why are you carrying the Stanley Cup? And he goes, yeah, this is the Stanley Cup. And me and it are teaming up to fight illiteracy. That's what this photo looks like. (laughs) It's just a really dumb guy holding a giant silver cup like, hey. But he's in Japan now. Yeah, so after after Sumo, mm-hmm. they go back for, you know, a private private meal between the president of Japan, his his wife, Trump and Millennia. And this is what they serve. This is the menu. We are not making this up. First course, Japanese potato with butter. Second course, salad. He didn't eat that. He all. went he he, went, he left the room he didn't eat for the that. Third course, grilled chicken. Maybe eat that. Maybe. Fourth course, Wagyu steak with broccoli and carrots. He didn't eat the broccoli or carrots. No, but the steak, one of the things that, like, they aren't even pretending. Sometimes if you look at, like, state meals that he was served as he goes, you can kind of, there's a nice fun game to play called Find the Steak because there will always be a steak, but it isn't always called steak. But this guy's just like, fuck it, here's a steak. Yeah. Um, and then for dessert, vanilla ice cream. That's some cafeteria shit right there. That is like the kids' menu. Yeah. That is the kids' menu at a fine dining establishment. Yeah. And it comes with a with a placemat and crayons. Yeah. That's what you would get there. When he went to Japan or he had the he met with the president of Japan last year, this is actually a step up because the meal of last year was hamburgers. They had hamburgers because the president of Japan knows what's up. And they had they had ketchup bottles on. The, it was like a very formal table, and they had hamburgers, and they had ketchup bottles, no mustard, just ketchup, and because he loves ketchup. Most of the things you'll see on the White House menu will somehow be ketchup adjacent. Yeah. This includes his favorite food, which is meatloaf, his mother's meatloaf recipe. Uh, and it turns out there's a whole side. We have yarn walls of this stuff. There's a Paul Ryan connection because Paul. They all were asked to contribute their favorite recipes to something, and Paul Ryan contributed a meatloaf recipe to this book of like Republican favorite recipes. And his was for a venison meatloaf for a deer he shot himself with a bow and arrow. <laughs> because Paul Ryan is crazy. <laughs> so, I. I would love to see a photo of the Wagyu beef, though. Mm. You are not a meat eater. No. Wagyu beef, for those that don't know, are are, are cows that only exist in Japan, and they essentially have been fed and massaged into being pigs. And um, it is this incredibly, like, marbled, fatty beef (laughs) that that some people just will eat, like, a thin slice and just throw it in and not even cook it, Mm. right? So... To make a well-done Wagyu beef steak mm-hmm. is like to just whip your dick out and piss on the steak first, mm-hmm. right? Like you don't well make a Wagyu beef steak well done, but you know they burned the shit out of that thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, vanilla yeah. ice cream—it's the vanilla, vanilla ice cream. That's the real—that's the real punch in the balls, isn't it? The vanilla ice cream—it doesn't even have sauce on it. It's not even yeah. cake. It's not even cake. Like, no. 
No. But van- that's the only ice cream, if you look at every menu they have ever published, is only ever vanilla. Mm-hmm. And he gets two scoops, not one. Everyone yeah. else gets one. He gets two. This is why we do a podcast every week, because it's like therapy. Neither one of us goes to therapy. I, we're pretty sure this is our therapy. Yeah. We probably also need therapy. Yeah. You actually, put, we should go. We. I've gone to therapy. Well, yeah, we this need. Better. We. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for this. It would be I I can't imagine paying money to my therapist to talk about Donald Trump. That's like that's like fucking myself twice, right? Like what is that? Like here I'm giving you money to complain about a thing that I hate. I think you can talk about him, but I don't think you can talk about the ice cream. No. You know what I mean? There'd be a lot of notes made. Right. Why is there a preoccupation with the ice cream? See, I talk a lot. I, I, I say a lot of times that I understand this because I'm from Philadelphia, which is already a problem. I don't know if any of you know much about Philadelphia, but it's where all trouble starts. And um, I had an aunt when I was growing up. Um, my aunt um, my aunt had a lot of things. She was a compulsive smoker. She didn't come out of her house. She listened to talk radio all day and wrote spidery notes about things that she heard on talk radio. She had a bird that committed suicide, and she didn't believe in banks and used to keep her money in peanut butter jars, and she would give me empty jars that she'd washed out and go, here, kid, (laughs) keep your money so it can grow. And I was like, thanks, aunt. And she would have me come over to her house to count her money on her bed, and that was what I did for fun as a kid. I would go over to aunt's house and count her money for her, and then... um, her her idea of dessert, um, her and my Uncle Jerry was, they would eat hamburgers or fried fish off of paper plates because that way cleanup's easy. And the, their salad was just lettuce and tomato with mayonnaise on top. Then um, their dessert would be, they would buy prepackaged pies that they would cut into four pieces. So dessert was a quarter of a pie. And you know those blocks of ice cream, the half-gallon blocks? Yeah. Those would be cut into four slices. Oh, my. So you would get a slice of ice cream, like that thick, and a quarter of a pie. That's horrifying, but also a slice of ice cream is a pretty baller move. Yeah, that's how they did it. Like, I just, one of those, like, turkey forks, and I was like, doo, 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 mm-hmm. every, every block of ice cream oh, got four I servings, like and uh, then she would have me watch Lawrence Welk with her. Um, it was pretty rock and roll. It was pretty, there's a reason I'm as exciting as I am. And then I would counter money some more. But <laughs> it goes just, it, it leads to my understanding of this mentality, this kind of person who just sits around and listens to weird stuff all day and takes weird spidery notes and drags boxes of newspapers onto their plane where they won't sleep and they just walk around and they're like, where's my ice cream? I'm like, this is my family. These are my people. I 100% understand this mentality and what it would be like to be trapped on a plane with this crazy motherfucker. Like you're in Halloween. You know what I mean? Like eventually one of them will kill all the others. (laughs) They should just keep the plane going. Yeah. They can refuel that shit in the air, right? They can refuel that shit in the air. You know, there's... There's a, in the plane. there's a story about 9-11, about having, being on the plane, and George W. Bush wouldn't get on the plane. They're like, sir, you got to get on the plane. And they got him on the plane, and the engines had been going. And that thing, they said it can take off at some incredibly low, like, sharp rate, like a sharp, and it just went up. And there's just this mental image of the plane just shooting up and then just, and they're like, we're just going to circle. We're going to circle for as long as it takes. They just put him up there, put them all up there. And you just leave them up there and say, sir, there are no runways. 
All the runways are closed, sir. I mean, the reason that we have Mike Pence as VP is because Paul Manafort lied and told them that the plane was broken when they were in Indiana. That's true. So they could not fly back and do another interview with Chris Christie. And he believed them. Yeah. He just, oh, okay, well, we'll stay. I guess I'll have breakfast with this guy again. And then now he's our vice president. You could fool. And Paul Manafort's in jail. You could fool um, Donald Trump with a well-executed quarter behind the ear trick. Oh, easily. So, you know. The quarter Easily. came from nowhere. He just it, makes money. At whatever presidential debate, somebody should just, the, whoever he is facing, mm-hmm. whatever candidate of the 4,000 that are currently running for Democrat face him, they, when, instead of doing the handshake, they should do it. I got your nose. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? I just, Dan, I've already been hit once I've today. I've got your nose. But you, <laughs> no. I also hit you in the face. I mean, it's yes. Right. Look. We've never done this in person I before. Know. I don't know how God, far you are. I'm right here. Um, I'm this far. A well-executed, I got your nose, would throw the whole debate. He'd be feeling it all the time. Our president harbors a number of beliefs that, that are very interesting, including the fact that he thinks that human beings are batteries. Yeah. And that if you exercise, you run down the power of your battery, and that's why you shouldn't exercise. It is a fully held belief that we contain a finite amount of energy, and that's why he does not exercise. Mm-hmm. Because he does not want to deplete it. Right. I feel fine. The fact that he's 72 years old, eats what he eats. Yeah. I worry he's right. (laughs) What if that was true? I mean, it's... Because (laughs) that's the only logical explanation for the fact that he is still walking amongst us. Is that he's been right all along and he has this infinite amount of energy reserves... That all the rest of us have burned through with our stupid exercise. Oh, no. Yeah. It's true. He eats. Oh, no. Yeah. I didn't think about this. Yeah. What if yeah. he is right? I know. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm sorry this had to happen. In He's going to live audience. forever. Yeah. We're never going to stop. This podcast will exist forever. What is going to happen, Dan? It's like. Generally, look, we'll grow old and die. No, this happens. Not if we stop exercising. True. Good point. I don't know. Well, what seems to be happening right now is we are again on this kind of inflection point. Is it really happening this time? Is it really happening? And I feel like it's time to make our summer plans and our summer predictions because I feel like what's happening, and I, I said this to you earlier, is that Watergate unfolded a lot of the hearings unfolded during the summer of 1973 and they unfolded kind of over a course of several weeks and it wasn't just one event that was Watergate. It was a lot. It was the public watching every single day going, holy shit, holy shit. And the real turning point was several weeks in when a man named Alexander Butterfield gave testimony and one of the -the off-the-cuff questions was, do you know of any recording equipment? And he kind of looked pale and he went, yes. And nobody knew, nobody was expecting a yes, that no one knew that the Oval Office was bugged and that there were tapes. And it took another year of effort to get the tape. It actually took more than a year to get the tapes. Um, but we could be in for a Watergate summer. Like, what are we? Do you think that we're in for a summer of hearings? They have to figure out how to get them to show up for the hearings first. Yeah, that turns that out to seems, be a dodge. That seems to be the real trick. Yeah. You have to show up. 
Like, what if we just don't go? I didn't realize that that was, I didn't realize that was that much of a play. One of the things about the Trump years is the realization of how much of our government is built around a polite agreement to just do the thing mm. and not actually anything that compels you to do the thing mm. and that the whole thing was structured around a, 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 the fact that everyone would think doing the thing was the right thing to do. Right. And it turns out you can just not do the thing. Right. So, so I don't, you talk about like, so one of the things that is interesting is at the start of Watergate, public polling for impeachment was around 19%, right? At the start of the hearings, the impeachment hearings. It was incredibly unpopular. And by the end, it was, you know, enough that, that he stepped down instead of, of finishing the job. And we are in this weird bizarro world now where we're waiting we're waiting for or what what at least people like Nancy Pelosi are saying is we need to wait for the public to be in with this before we can begin we need to know that it will be popular before we can begin it yeah no I don't know how that works I don't know if that works if you you can't wait for the thing without giving cause to the thing that helps people get into the thing if people don't know or haven't read the material or haven't watched this dumb shit every day because they've been leading good lives, decent lives, healthy lives, where they don't sit and watch the dumb fucking press conferences <laughs> and people standing in front of helicopters and then read all the menus and go, God damn it, he's eating vanilla ice cream again. <laughs> oh my God, he set out a, a buffet of fast food in the, and he's actually just doing fast food now. He's just bringing in, he's just bringing in cheeseburgers, Dan. Yeah. And he's filling beautiful silver plates of barbecue sauce that's still in the packet. It's still <laughs> in the packet. That's where we're at. I think there's going to be hearings this summer. Personally, I think we're going to have a real summer of 73. <laughs> I do. I think it's going to be fun. So then when will we get to go to Disney? October. Whoa. That's soon. Yeah. He'll be out in October. Wow. Yep. You heard it here first. Of 2019? Is that what year it is? Yes. Then yes. Wow. Yes. That is, that is a bold prediction. I know it's a bold prediction, but you have to throw down some bold moves if you want to get anywhere on this crazy ramshackle world we live in. It's true. It is true. Can I tell you a, a fun story about Disneyland? Yes. So uh, this week, everyone involved in arranging, so foreign diplomacy, everyone involved in arranging the Kim Jong-un Donald Trump summit on the North Korean side was executed because the summit didn't go well. And uh, that's fucking horrifying. One guy didn't. The guy that delivered that giant letter to Donald Trump, Mm -hmm. he uh, is doing hard labor instead. Cool. But um, these are terrible people. And I I began to wonder why Kim Jong-un is the the younger brother Mm -hmm. in the whatever you call it, dictator's family. family. Why is the younger brother doing this and not the older brother? It turns out the older brother, Kim Jong-nam, was caught in the early 2000s trying to sneak into Japan to go to Tokyo Disneyland under an assumed name with a fake passport. 
He just wanted to go to Tokyo Disneyland. <laughs> I mean, it sounds pretty good. It's, it's, it's Seems amazing. Seems like a good park. Tokyo Disney Sea is supposed to be the greatest theme park in the world. I get it. It brought shame upon the family. He was excommunicated. He lived in Macau until he was uh, assassinated in a train station not that long ago by a woman who was handed a spray bottle of VX gas and told she was on a um, told she was on a prank show and that she needed to go and spray this one guy in the face. Uh, and she has she was arrested but has been let go because she had no idea that she was assassinating the brother of Kim Jong Un. So it all leads back to Disney World. It does. All of this leads. He just wanted to go to Disney World, Dan, and that's all what we want. Disney. That's all, all what we want. That is all. Not the one in Tokyo, even. I mean, I would go. I would it's definitely go. Nice. I think it's probably very lovely. Yeah. And the one here is real nice. The one in the one in Tennessee? here. Yeah. That's called Dollywood. Tennessee Disney World. <laughs> you know the one. No. Okay. Tennessee Disney World. Sure. I got well, hit with a door earlier. You did get hit by a door earlier. I saw Disney World. I want to go to Disney. I really do. You think things are bad here, Dan, but it turns out there are other countries. And one country is called England. And Donald Trump will be going there next week. Um, he will be followed around by a giant balloon of a baby. Uh, of himself as a baby because uh, they did this last year. They had a giant baby balloon and this year there's going to be a bigger one. So everywhere he goes, he will be followed by the giant, uh, the giant balloon. Um, things are not going well in England. No. Now, as you may know, I am married to an English. I do know that you're married to an English. Yes. And right now things are not so great in England because of a thing called Brexit, which because it turns out bad voting happens all over the place. And so England is still in the process of basically coming to pieces um, as they try to figure out how to do something that no one really knew how to do or didn't want to do and had no plan to do but put up a vote for, i.e. leaving the European Union, and then surprisingly people voted it in, and suddenly they're like, oh, shit, we got to do this thing, and no one had a plan. And for the last two years, they've been trying to figure out what to do, and it's ripping their country apart in a lot of ways, and Parliament is... It's, it's come down to the wire several times and they didn't have a deal and they were going to leave and then they didn't. It was like, the, it was a constant, like, we don't have our homework done moment. Like, can we have more time? It's what I do with my books. Um, my book, which I'm finishing up a book right now. And I was like, can I have a couple more days? I have products this weekend. I have to go to book on and my, my butt itches so I can have a couple more days. I'm almost done my book, but if you give me a couple more days, I'll just put a book done. <laughs> I just need a couple more days. I'm almost done the book. I just have to read one more time and fix, run spell check. Run spell check on my book and then it'll be finished. It's almost finished. I want to read it. I don't want you to read with Maureen, the spellings in Maureen, it, but I just got to finish Maureen, the book. Anyway, Maureen. Brexit. They didn't there have a plan. Are. They needed more time. They had recently elections for the European Parliament, and during which the main party that won seats from England was a party called the Brexit Party, meaning that England is going to send a bunch of people to the European Union from the Brexit Party. Literally what that translates to is they're going to send some people to the European Parliament who are going to sit there and have looks on their faces that say, we hate you. <laughs> we hate you and we don't want to be here and we hate you. And we don't think we should be here and this sucks and we hate you. And that's why we're here. It's the thing we hate you. We hate you so much. So it's middle school. Yeah. They're sending people that don't want to be there as the official representatives of being there. Yeah. Perfect. That's what's what happening. What could go wrong? Meanwhile, the head of the Brexit party is being chased around by people with milkshakes because that's how they're taking care of business in England right now. Everywhere they go, someone throws a milkshake on him to the point where he had to hide in his tour bus the other week. 
and McDonald's was ordered not to sell any milkshakes. But Burger King put out a tweet that said, we have milkshakes, just saying. <laughs> because Burger King is baller. Yeah, that's literally what it said. That's literally what it said. They hashtagged just saying. And had a winking yeah. emoji. <laughs> that's some baller shit, Burger King. That's some baller shit. So things are not going that great. And the prime minister of England is stepping down. Yeah. Because it, it's, been, it's been a rough time and she's leaving and they're going to get a new one and no one knows who this is going to be and no one's going to want it. And then they're going to have a general election and they're going to go through the whole thing. And that's what he's walking into. And he's going to have tea with the queen. But he is not going to go to his Ireland country club with the head of Ireland who refused to go to Trump's Does he have one club. as well in Ireland? Oh, Scotland. Scotland, yeah. Yes. Yes. Uh, it's all the same. Yeah, it's all the it? same. Nobody it's all cares. the same. There's no distinction there, no. right? They don't care. Well, it's all, they're all good with it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Scotland. Yep. The Scottish people really hate him, and they put up signs about what, a, what an asshole he is, and they generally just run around and tease him relentlessly, and it's beautiful because the Scottish people give no fucks about anything, and they are amazing, and I love them. I love them. They just don't care. They wear nothing. They're balls free under those skirts, Dan. Whoa. They're just flying free under Uh-oh. there. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. What? Flying balls. I'm just saying. Oh, no. Oh, right. no. Dan gave me a present. Oh, no. I have a puppet now. <laughs> you may be wondering why she got a puppet. I didn't have a puppet before. Dan gave me this puppet. I did. This it's is- a, I made a mistake. Hi. This is Amy Carter's shoe. It's true. Trump spent uh, winter break by himself in the White House. Yes. Because uh, the government shut down. Might have forgotten that already, but it happened. And uh, his family, who doesn't like him, left. And he was left all alone. They furloughed a bunch of people. And um, we posited on this show that he must have just assembled a random collection of shit that he found in the White House around him to yell at. Mm. One of which was a shoe left over by Amy Carter during the Carter That's administration. That's me. And hey. Amy Carter's shoe became hey. became hey. became something. What's up, Scroat? Oh boy. She loves Scroats. <laughs> scroats, 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 and stretchy balls. That's me. There's nothing worse that you can have on a podcast than a puppet. <laughs> In life, you can usually not have a puppet. On podcasts, you can for sure not have a puppet. It's not appropriate, it doesn't make sense, and it's not funny. No one likes it. That being said, I've got a puppet, motherfuckers. <laughs> Deal with it. I'm here. This makes me so happy. It's going to end my marriage. It is. So I, I said to Maureen, I said, you know what? Um, we have some budget from our Patreon. We could make an Amy Carter shoe puppet for our live show. And she said, Oscar... Oscar told me I can't have a puppet. And I said, why? why? Like, that's a, why? It's the only thing I've been forbidden in my marriage yeah. is a puppet. And the reason is we went on something called the Joko Cruise and I met a professional puppeteer who, who works with Muppets and I became enchanted and I would like to say friends with a Muppet. And I just <laughs> got very entranced by this puppet. And she's like, I could get you a puppet. And I was like, I could have a puppet? And he just looked at me and went, you cannot have a puppet. And I said, why? And he didn't say no puppet, which would be the answer. He, but he kind of said no puppet. And he said, because that's, 
I would only ever be talking to the puppet. I would come home and my whole life would be with the puppet. So you cannot have a puppet. And he got this deadly serious look on his face. And so I made the puppet. And this was a guy who didn't even complain when he went on a work trip to Germany and I took apart our DVD player with a drill and a hammer because I couldn't get my Borgen DVD out. (laughs) I made the puppet and last night I gave it to Maureen and I said to her, I know that you aren't allowed to have a puppet at home, so I'll bring it back with me and I'll kind of hang on to the puppet when we're not doing shows. And she sent this look of pure death to me. And no said, way, man. The puppet is coming home with me. Get the fuck away from me, scrot. I'm going home with her. It's not funny. It it's funny. N- it's not funny to have uh, a puppet. Amy Carter Shue has become our 2020 Democratic primary correspondent. That's right. You got anything to ask me, motherfucker? How's it going? How is how is the primary going? How the Amy? fuck do you think it's going? Not well. There's too many of them. <laughs> the only one I'm interested in is Joe Biden. <laughs> Why? I love him. Why? Oh, no. It's not funny, Dan. It is. Just tell him. All right. Tell him why you love Joe Biden, Amy Carter Shue. There's a reason I love him. Why? Because his scrotum is all stretching. <laughs> See, it's not funny. <laughs> but it makes Dan laugh like that oh every God, time, it and really it doesn't does. make any... It's not oh, funny, right? It is it's, very, it's, very it's, funny. It's objectively it unfunny, funny. and yet... And I've asked my husband, he's like, it's not funny. Stop doing it. It's irritating. My husband ordered a rare steak at Chili's. So he's my not husband, exactly a, a, a connoisseur of fine things. I went to Chili's with my English husband over the Christmas break because I'm from Philadelphia and that's the fancy place to eat. And we went in and we were like, well, here we are at Chili's at Christmas. And it was like the day after Christmas, but you know what I'm saying. And I was like, I'll have the one vegetarian thing you've got on the menu, please. And my mother's like, I guess I'll have this thing that you've got. And then he's like, and I'll have the steak. (laughs) Rare, please. And I just looked at him like, what? And he's like, what's the matter? It's very easy to do. You barely have to cook it. (laughs) And then I was like, huh? And so they brought it out and he looked at it and he was like, well, this, this is not rare, is it? And I was like, oh, God. And he's like, this is the way I get it in France. And I was like, oh, no. Oh, God. I've taken my English husband to a Chili's in Philly, and he's trying to get a rare steak because that's the way they do it in France. I'm like, that's going to be really relatable. And so he called the waiter over, and I was like, don't do this. Do not do this, son. You're not. And he was like, I'm doing it. I'm doing it. He's like, oh, excuse me. Do you think by any chance I could have another steak? It's just that I did ask for a rare, and it's all very well cooked, you see. And, and they looked at, and to their credit, they looked upon this like this was a challenge, like no one had ever trusted them like this before. And they were like, why, yes, we will. And they went back. And I was like, what the hell is going to happen next? <laughs> and they went to the kitchen, and then they returned, and they had a beautiful new piece of meat, and it was rare. And they just had this look of pride, like, <laughs> we did it. No one comes to Chili's and trusts us with this. No one has this kind of faith in Chili's. But sir believes in Chili's. Sir thinks we can do it. Yes, sir, we make steak for sir. 
here, sir. And he was like, it's quite good, actually. It's an entirely new piece of meat. Probably the best piece of meat they've got back there, don't you know? <laughs> and then, uh, meanwhile, I am just trying to think of what fake identities I can get into quickest, <laughs> how I can quickly leave the country, the state, the city, and my life behind because my husband has asked for a rare steak and chilies. I don't remember what this is coming from. But anyway, he doesn't want me to have a puppet, but he does order rare steaks and chilies. Anything is possible. Says who is made possible by you. That means you in the audience and you listening at home through support of our Patreon at patreon.com slash says who. Rare steak. I suggest go and do it. See, just that's him now. He's asking me if I'm okay because I sent him a picture of ice on my face. (laughs) And he's lived with me long enough to know that shit happens. Like I just get into trouble sometimes during the day. He comes home and he's like, what have you been doing? (laughs) And I'm like, oh. You know, our theme music is performed by Ted Leo. Our logo is designed by Darth. Darth, we love you, Darth. We do love you, Darth. You can contact us at Says Who Podcast on Twitter. You can email it, hey, that is H E Y at Says Who Podcast.com. My English husband is very fancy. He, um, his father is a submarine commander, he has two sirs, two uncles that are sirs. So, like, there's Sir Bob, and he's just very, and his parents live in a little village. You can join the discussion on Facebook. They're always. Slash says Whovians. Our Facebook group is moderated by Janice Dilly. They're always angry at the vicar. They've got horses. Sometimes they can't get out because there's a pony standing in the road. And he has a cousin who's a magician named Bertie. Spread the word, subscribe, and please leave stars and reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I saw stars when I got hit in the face with a door. Join us next Wednesday for our next episode. Of I'm still going to be writing my book, Dan. I'm still going to have a puppy. What are we going to do? We'll do what we always do. Which is what? Record. Oh. From Pod X. In, in Nashville, Tennessee. Tennessee. From Disneyland, Tennessee. I'm Dan Sinker. And listen, Dan, I don't want to make fun of the English for having stupid accents, but they do, and they're adorable. And they act say your name. They act like people. They act just just like us. They're ridiculous. They're ridiculous human beings. But you know what? The whole thing. God damn it! Just your name. They're little pocket people that you can just have around and act like they're normal. Say your name. They just don't. They've all got places to go. They go skiing a lot too. There's a lot of skiing and boating. I'm Dan Sinker. Have you ever met an English person? Uh, I am an English person. I'm Dan Sinker. <gasps> That's right. You're secretly English. <laughs> I am. You're secretly English. From Pod X in Nashville, Tennessee. We should go to England. I'm Dan Sinker. His parents have horse. I'm Maureen Johnson. And this. And this has been. Let's order a rare steak at Chili's. Says Sue. Sue. That ended fast. Well, that ended fast. But seriously, everybody marry an English person. It's hilarious. Thank you so much for Thank coming you. out. Enjoy the rest of Pod X. It's Woo. been amazing. We're going to be around so much. You're going to be around so much. We're all going to be staring at each other. Let's all sure. go to Disneyland Let's here go. in Tennessee. Thank you all. Thank you. Woo. Woo. Put my shoe away. I love her so much. <laughs>